It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Before this episode begins, I want to tell you about something a little time sensitive that I'm part of, which is a three-day virtual conference called Love Yourself First, How to Develop Supportive Friendships and Meaningful Relationships. This is really up my alley. I think it's up your alley too, given the topics that I cover. And this is actually something that I was invited to by a previous podcast guest, Coach Lee Hopkins, who did an episode with me in August 2022, invited me to speak and be part of this wonderful group of people. And the conference is taking place February 10th through February 12th, 2023. And there you can learn some different tactics to loving yourself, creating lasting connections that will enrich, enrich your life. This is a paid conference. And so full transparency. There is a small fee involved with it. And I have a promo code. The promo code is, let me pull it up, uncomfortable. 20. So uncomfortable, just like this might get uncomfortable, but uncomfortable 20. And you guessed it, that'll take 20% off the cost of the ticket. And I'll receive a small fraction of that. And the rest of the money goes towards running the event. And if you want to invite a friend to this and buy two tickets in the same transaction, you actually get a 50% off discount on the second ticket. So if you're looking to deepen your relationships, create more joy, affection, and really just learn from people like myself, from Coach Lee, all the amazing speakers that he has brought together for this, you can go to the link in the description. It's a little long. The full link is alwaysloveyourselffirst.eventbrite.com, and that's where you'll en enter that promo code uncomfortable twenty two zero. And I'll put it in the description of this episode and also in the show notes so that you can easily click through and check it out. See if it's a fit for you. Use a discount, invite your friends, share, spread the message if you would like. And now on to the episode. I've been having a wonderful conversation before clicking record today with my guest, Coach Lee Hopkins. And I am so thrilled when I have someone like Coach Lee, who is an open book, but also shows up and is someone I immediately feel comfortable at ease with, interested in. I mean, it doesn't happen with every guest, believe it or not. And certainly the show is about leaning into discomfort when it happens. But it is my preference when I feel a very natural, organic rapport with somebody. And Coach Lee, I find my like, face, you know, that feeling you get when you're smiling a lot in your cheeks, yeah. like that's how I feel. <laughs> and you're just such a joy to talk with. So we had to click record because you and I yeah. were just getting into this flow. <laughs> There's probably a bunch mm -hmm. of things we've already said that no one will ever hear, but it just us. So we're trying to jump in. And the point in mm -hmm. which we were 
just starting a discussion was based around my inquiry where I had seen Coach Lee posting on TikTok, a wonderful TikTok account. And one thing I love is that you do these journal prompts there. And mm. one of them I found really fascinating was, <laughs> was it the question like, what's somebody's favorite? What did they think about Pringles or what's their favorite flavor of Pringles? What was the have exact you, question? Have you ever eaten an entire can of Pringles? Uh, that's okay. a, Yeah, that's the prompt and... And why? And tell us more detail. What the heck happened? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I'm laughing because actually right before we started recording, I opened up a bag of not Pringles of these like, you know, <laughs> plant-based cheese puffs and thought I would just have a handful and I ended up finishing the whole bag. And to answer your That's... why question, much like Pringles, it was that they tasted good, but I was also hungry and the, the lunch I had didn't fill me up enough. And yeah, I've, I have a positive associations with Pringles for a number of reasons. Although I now prefer this natural brand that has like less preservatives. And I think mm -hmm. Pringles also might not be gluten-free or something. There was a reason I started avoiding them beyond any other like overly processed or non-plant-based yeah. ingredients. See, um, that's so awesome because the whole prompt is supposed to get conversation started. So we talked about the Pringles, but now we're talking about the rest of your diet. You know, what do you eat and why? And that's why we get to know each other is through those kind of things, knowing what about our lives have changed and why they've changed and being willing to share those with others. So it's pretty awesome that you didn't just stop and say, hey, I never eat an entire bag or I've never eaten an entire can and just left it there. We want conversation. We want to connect. Absolutely. It isn't Pringles' whole tagline, like once you pop, the fun don't <laughs> stop or something like that. Is it that? Do they still use that? I, I feel like that was like that is the tagline. I was going to say, once you pop, today. you can't stop. But yeah, it yeah. could be problematic, I suppose. But there's a whole other reason I'm bringing up this Pringles <laughs> prompt. <laughs> is that when I heard that, I started laughing to myself because it reminded me of this comedic performance by Bo Burnham. And for those that are curious, this was from, I think, like 2016 on one of his specials, and it's called Can't Handle This. He is doing his own version of a Kanye West song. And the funniest joke for me, not only in that performance, but probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard him say is related to Pringles. And when I first saw this performance, I was like laughing so hard, but in a from a place of awe, I guess, like, wow, I would have never thought to turn something like that into a punchline. But after I had that thought, I then paused because I found myself wondering if Coach Lee would either A, know that reference. There's always that moment when you meet someone new and you share something and they don't know what you're talking about. And that actually did happen with us before womp we started womp. recording. <laughs> you, you, you weren't even sure who Bo Burnham was. Mm -hmm. And then I was a little relieved because my other question was whether or not you thought Bo Burnham was problematic. And I don't even know for sure, but I've heard references to some people having some issues with him and to which that started a whole dialogue with us where I'd love to start with you, Coach Lee, is your response to me 
bringing up someone like Bo Burnham potentially being problematic. Mm-hmm. And my response about him being problematic is that I think that everyone at some point in time gets labeled as problematic. And I think that it happens on a larger scale for people who are more visible, but like from when we're just talking as individuals to each other, there's something problematic about it. And I think that the problem is that they're being their authentic self and that they're showing who they are and what they really think and how they really feel about things. And it goes against somebody else's standard, which really hurts us. It really stops us from making connections that we want to make. And so when people say problematic, I'm like, hmm, what is about what they said that you don't understand and don't like? don't like. Now, I know problematic is can be considered, you know, for racist people, transphobic people, sexist people, we can just slap on problematic for everything. But the problem with problematic, <laughs> what I don't like about problematic, and I don't understand is that, well, if we are trying to get the behavior to change, how does labeling it as a bad thing motivate someone to want to change in a genuine way? Well, I don't think it does. So, problematic is throwing people as problematic or throwing that labor on as problematic is counterproductive. It's counterproductive. It is. And it's confusing too, because once I started asking you about Bo Burnham, I realized I don't have a lot of data to back up my thought about him being problematic. All I could think of was hearing one, maybe two people online say that they didn't like him and something happened during one of his live performances. And while mm -hmm. I think their experiences are valid, what's interesting is that he hasn't, there haven't been anything else that he's done that I've perceived as problematic, but I'm taking somebody else's experience with him and somebody else's opinion of him into account yeah. for myself. And that feels mm -hmm. confusing to me because I'm curious how you feel about that balance, you know, respecting that somebody else had a bad experience with someone. Since your expertise and focus in life right now is about friendship, Coach Lee, you're thinking a lot about communication and relationships. And this reminds me of times where I've had an issue with somebody, perhaps a friend, an acquaintance, or maybe a stranger. And I've realized that other people that I know haven't had an issue with that person. I'm sure yeah, you've gone exactly. through that too, right? That's got to be pretty mm -hmm. common. Yeah, it is pretty common. And I like that you brought it down to a, a really relatable friendship level because it's easy to see it in our own friendships rather than, you know, we can look at, oh, it's easy to feel we have power and action that we can take in our own friendships rather than in our relationships with our celebrities or people in the public. And what I mean is that, well, there's something that we're not going to like about someone or was there something that we're going to hear then we shouldn't like about them, but our interactions with them were just fine. Like if you want to take it to a, a level where we talk about being black, being trans, I've heard all this stuff about trans people, but you've never met one and you haven't had this experience. Or I've heard all these things about black people and you've never hung out with them, but you've heard about other people's experiences or you've seen it on TV. It makes it really easy to pull it into our friendships and relationships or people around us to show, to see it in people around us. But that's where we can do the actionable part of it. And what I mean is to say that in my friendships, if I've had a scenario in which I was told I shouldn't like this person because 
their jerk for some reason. And my experience with them has not been that. And now I'm a problem to the other person who's told me not to hang out with them. Now I'm problematic. And so if we scale it down, that's, and I think, well, you know, Bill Burnham, if he's problematic and to somebody or those people who out there are problematic, you haven't had that experience. Go and see what that experience is. Go research, go do something that really makes you feel that you don't want to believe in them. You don't want to enjoy them anymore. Figure it out for yourself and don't just take someone else's word for it. And when you're figuring out that it's more the benefit of doing that really as a friendship coach is to understand yourself more. What is it that you're going to tolerate more? What is it that's important to you? Is it the word of another person and being accepted by a bunch of people? Or is it what you truly deeply believe and understand for yourself? What is it? Yes. And that leads to a follow-up question that feels unclear to me. I'm curious about Mm -hmm. your perspective on this. There's part of me, well, I would say a huge part of me that really strives to quote, do the right thing, which I'm laughing about because I feel like it's a little bit impossible given what you said. It's like, no matter how hard I try, my best intentions, I make mistakes often. And it's tough because I don't like offending someone, hurting someone, bothering someone, annoying someone. Like I feel a lot of times I'm trying to avoid that. I also, one Mm -hmm. term you brought up was like misunderstandings. That's like one of my least favorite, if not the least favorite thing I have about social situations, a fear of being misunderstood. And along with that, I find myself really leaning in when I hear about somebody having a bad experience with someone else. And I feel like I've spent a lot of my life thinking, okay, if, if Coach Lee had a bad experience with this person, if that person was rude or disrespectful to Coach Lee, then I'm on Coach Lee's side. And that I don't want to associate myself with this person. This has happened a lot to me personally, but Mm -hmm. it also is interesting from, as we mentioned, the more celebrity side of things or a public figure. What, like an example that came to mind as I was thinking through this was Woody Allen, for example. I watched a documentary about Woody Allen and the accusations. Same thing with Michael Jackson. I remember watching that Mm -hmm. big documentary that came out about Michael Jackson where he was being accused of things. And for both people, there's like two sides to it. There are the people making the accusation saying, this is what happened to me. Believe me. And then there's another side of people that's saying, I don't believe you because Woody Allen's saying he didn't do those things. Or Michael Jackson saying, you know, like whoever else, you can come up with so many examples of these public figures that have been accused of doing something that they're denying. And I find that confusing because it's like, who do you believe? Do you believe the person that had the bad experience and is mm-hmm. saying to the world, this person is problematic, they need to be canceled or held accountable? Or, and or, like, can it be an and or reaction where you can still believe and have compassion for the person that supposedly did something, but saying that they didn't? That I find like really hard to navigate. Wow. I may be the first person to say on your podcast, but I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) No, seriously, that is a really big question. It's a big question. And I think that trying to scale it down again to the between me and you, because eventually if we pull out all the other people, we just kind of feel what's right for ourselves. 
And there was a whole bunch of things, there's a whole bunch of ideas within the question that you asked me. So I want to go back to where we started, when you started about the idea of not offending someone or trying to make sure that you're very understanding and the, the misunderstanding is a, it's a pain, really pain point for relationships and friends and under just being connected with people in the first place and doing the right thing. So I'm pulling it way back. And I would say that at some point in time, well, at some point in time, I picked up this idea that it makes it easier for me to be myself if I recognize that I'm always doing the right thing. And the right thing is honoring how I feel honoring my own emotions because no one else in the world can tell me how I feel. I know it. I know it deep down. So unconsciously, let's say my body wants to respond to something like I don't agree with their assessment of this person being terrible or mean person. I don't agree with that assessment, but I want to say that, but I don't because I want to keep my friend in mind. I want to keep that connection in mind, but I'm not being honest and genuine with myself because I want to make sure that they're all set. I think doing things like that disrupt the kind of connection that you could have with that friend because you're not being open and honest with them because they need to see the truth in you. And they have to deal with the fact that, well, it's not that you don't believe them. It's just also, this is your experience. What we want to do is share our experiences with each other in a way that is genuine for us, but not attacking for the other person. We're not attacking them with me by saying, this is not my experience. This is what I've experienced. But also I believe you and I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to pay attention. So I think that keeping that in mind, keeping that the idea of us doing the right thing. So I said that we always do the right thing. And even if you say, I do believe you and I'm never going to talk to that person again. The reason why it's the right thing is because you're going to learn from this experience. You're going to learn from the experience of doing that. If it's something that feels good to you and you keep it up, then you keep it up. But I genuinely, and for myself, I found that doing things that go against what I really want to do has always hurt my relationships with other people. It's always hurt relationships with other people. And I don't recommend that we do so. So now we're scaling it up to these people who've had these accusations by larger groups of people and more people. It's not that I don't believe you in your experience. It's not that I don't, but this is my experience with this person. Oh, by the way, I've never been in close contact with them. I've never known them on the level that you have. You're the closest thing that I have to understanding the experience that you've had with them because you're telling me, you're telling me what this is like. I can't imagine because I'm not there. I have a fantasy idea of what that person might be and how they might behave. So I don't know for sure, but again, it's not that I don't believe you. I want you to understand that this is my experience with it. Then there comes some expectations. Now that I believe you, or now that you're sharing your story with me, maybe they expect me to behave. What do you want me to do in that case? And it comes down to this, well, I think what happens in generally in the public is that we see people who have been accused and the public is like, I believe the person who's been accused, now we're going to rah, rah, rah and be on their side. Well, I'd like to hear more about their experience. I'd like to hear what they want me to do about it. How can I comfort them or how can I help them? 
and if I'm willing to do so. We have to absolutely be honest with ourselves about that accusation, those accusations. Because I'm going to be honest with you right here. Michael Jackson was a big hero of mine. And I really enjoy his music still to this day. And I'm not even on, but I can get canceled for saying that. <laughs> canceled for saying that. But I know it's absolutely true for me. It's absolutely true for me. And no matter what people say or think or feel about it, it doesn't change the fact that I feel that way. But it could change how much I speak about it because I don't want the interaction with other people. But it's all about us deciding for ourselves and honoring how we feel about ourselves. That's the conclusion that I've come to. So beautifully said. And it shows that this is complicated. I mean, it's not a right or wrong this way or that. It's There's so much nuance and gray areas and, and fluctuations too. And it certainly can go in different directions because somewhere else my brain went as you were sharing this is that I think sometimes I struggle trying to navigate complex things like any sort of prejudice, whether racism, sexism, you know, all of these issues where it's saying like, I don't like you because you do this or because you look like this or because you are something and all, you know, being white sometimes, I wonder like how much of my experience though is, it seems like it's super limited. I'm heterosexual, white and cisgendered. And so if I can't understand somebody else who isn't that, then like where my experience is my experience. But if I'm trying to have compassion and understand someone, then like I have to go outside of my experience, I suppose. If that makes sense. I'm curious, like in the context of things like that, where you're, you're so different from somebody, but you want to relate to them, no matter how hard you try, you can't because you've just a natural bias towards who you are and who they are. Yeah, that's a natural bias. I like the way you pulled that in there because I'm thinking that spiritually, so I spiritually believe that we're all connected in some way. We all have this consciousness that we share with each other. And I take that with me. And when I say this, I believe that we are having the same experience. We are having the same experience. Although you say that you're a cis woman who's white and heterosexual. I am a black man who is trans and I pansexual, I guess, pansexual be how I identify. But we all have an experience in which we feel like we cannot be ourselves. We're all having this experience of being humans. And there has been one point in time in our lives, at least one, but many millions, I'm sure, points and times in our lives where we could not express exactly who we are, how we felt, and what we wanted to do. We just couldn't because of something that another person has said to us. And we've had that imposed upon us because maybe our caretakers, our parents, or something like that, had that happen to them. They were not able to be themselves in some way. Suppressed housewives, working man who's always busy, busy, busy under the thumb of his boss, black man who's pulled over by the police all the time, harassed. This idea of a strong black woman, uh, trans people who don't live out loud, don't be gay, don't be this, don't be that. We've all had that experience in which we were not allowed to be something we wanted to be. Be the thing we go with the feeling that we feel in our hearts. We aren't able to do that on some capacity. We've learned how to do that. And so it's really easy. It's ingrained to us. Like I say, we're having all the same experience because we're doing it to each other. We see, I see you, Whitney, and I think 
I don't want you to be you because of all the things I know about white people who may have privilege. I know that you travel. I hate you now. You know, <laughs> I don't want you to travel because I can't do it. You can't be yourself and live authentically out loud. You can't talk about your problems because I've got problems and so forth and so forth and so forth. Now, physically, in this physical world, we believe that there's a difference between those people who have a lot of things, like they have a lot of money, they have a lot of wealth, they have privilege, but it's only because collectively we believe that they should have that. And as soon as we realize that we create that by believing that well, they have everything and I don't. As soon as we stop thinking like that and we start thinking, well, I'm me and I'm awesome. And everybody starts thinking that I'm me and I'm awesome and I'm able to be who I am in the space, no matter what anyone else says. Then the next person will be like, wow, they're able to be themselves. And they're not trying to make me be somebody else either. I'm going to be myself. And then we continue on, we spread that way. So when I think about us having the same experience and having the same consciousness, I think about that right there. Like, well, as soon as I stop looking at you as the cause of my problem, then I can be myself. I'm limiting myself. You don't have any power over me. I don't have any power over you. You just do what you do, respond to me. And sometimes people react. That I think the reaction is where we see so much chaos. I'm curious how you define being yourself because that's also not as simple as it sounds. You know, we hear that messaging so much throughout our lives, at least I did, which is just be yourself. <laughs> just do it. Oh. Just be yourself. And then the older I get, I'm like, I don't even know if I know who myself is and not in a bad way, but just like I'm discovering layers and layers, but I'm also changing constantly. There's parts of me that I identify with from when I was a little kid. And then there's other parts of me that feel vastly different than who I was 10 years ago. And for you, Coach Lee, you went through a transition, you know, that was something I'm curious about. Like, is that something you always identified with? Is it something that you've learned about yourself? And so for you, being yourself has is in a different expression than, than I'm talking about. For me, it's been fully internal and kind of my own. For you, it seems it's come external and it's something that you're addressing frequently. So I'm kind of curious two things. One is what does it mean to be ourselves? How do we know who ourselves is? And two, what has your, been ex your experience been through your evolution? Awesome question. What does it mean to be yourself? Well, I think throughout life, we have experiences that shape who we are. And I think it starts when we're really young. Maybe we are born with knowing a bit about who we are and what we like and our preferences passed on through our genes. But I think that unconsciously, we have done things like since birth. We've always just done things that have been natural to us. Like we'll cry when we need help and we'll poop when we need to. No one's taught us to do those things, really. No one's taught us to do that. So, as we grow up, we have our caretakers or society tell us that what we're feeling, we cannot act upon. We can't act upon. Don't touch the stove. Of course, that's a great thing. We shouldn't touch the hot stove. But also, don't speak up when you're upset. Don't say what's on your mind at this point in time because it's rude. And not really understanding you know, why we're doing this. We're just kind of conditioned by our external environment. And I say this because I think that unconsciously, we have something in there that is ourselves. 
but our world has conditioned us not to express it. And so when I say becoming yourself or being yourself, it's that you are expressing the thing that feels natural to you based on how you feel about it and letting the world respond. That's what it is. That's what's being natural, saying the thing that's going to get you in trouble, but letting the world respond. Now, if you are observant and you see that saying the thing that the world respond and the world responds to it in a way that is going to hurt you, it's likely that you're going to keep that quiet. You're not going to say it as loud, but you still have a desire to express that. And so the desire for connection and friendship comes in with that. It's very useful for that because you need at least one person to talk about your truth to. I say that is your truth, how you feel about something in a given moment, in a given time. I feel angry about the fact that you stepped on my foot. I'm not going to apologize to you because you stepped on my foot. <laughs> I'm going to be angry about it, you know? So suppressing that kind of stuff is, doesn't feel right. doesn't feel like your truth. And so I say being your authentic self is expressing that. And we're all looking for somebody to tell us that what we're feeling is okay. So the way I express myself, if it's not what the world wants me to show, I want at least one person to tell me it's okay. At least one person. That's what we're looking for. And, and I'll take it a step further and I'll say that it's the understanding. It's understanding of why I want to do it in the first place that makes me feel loved, that makes love. Because all we're looking for is someone to share our experiences with that can understand how we feel about those experiences and actually demonstrate that they understand how we feel about the experience. So I like to use this analogy about going to the movies. So we go to the movies together and I take you to a movie that I really enjoy. Let's say Marvel Universe movie, something like that. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. I like the special effects and everything. And you come out and you're just like, Ugh, it's the worst. I didn't like this. And so how are we going to connect with each other? How are we going to talk to each other? How are we going to know each other? We just had the same experience of seeing the same movie, but we have different feelings about it. So we want to connect with each other. And this is where we, we were talking before we started recording about curiosity. So one of us, both of us can become curious about each other's experience. And this is what we're doing on the podcast. You're asking about my experience. There are lots of other people who are curious about the experience, but so we're connecting over the curiosity. If you are willing to listen to how I felt about the experience, then we can connect. Now, some of us have this same experience and we also have the same feeling about the experience. So let's say we're going to watch the movie together and I still love it. I think the sound effects are great. The special effects are wonderful. And you also like the movie, but you liked it because you really like the actors in the movie. You really like the camera work and the cinematography. And I have no interest in that. Here again, we had the same experience. We feel the same level of joy and excitement for the experience. We feel the same way, but we're not connected because the reason why you enjoy the experience is different from what I enjoyed the experience. And we're seeing this a lot on a bigger scale, but we can bring it back to us understanding each other because of the curiosity. Now I say that expressing your authentic truth is all those things. Expressing who you are is all those things. It's having this experience, talking about the feeling that you had of the experience and why you had that experience and having someone demonstrate that they understand how you feel about the experience. Having all that, the why, everything underneath makes you really connected, makes you connected. So I went on 
a bit about understanding and connection and being your authentic self. But that's what I believe is true about being authentic. And to answer your second question about a transition, I share that and I'm, I'm actually really glad you pulled it out that way that you did because I share the fact that I transitioned because it's something that's physical and that people can see. But my experience is not unique. This experience is not unique. I have, I mean, there's only 1% of the population who is trans, but I'm saying that everybody goes through an experience in which you believe that if you change in some way, your life is going to be better. Things are going to be different, but everything you do is internal. So this is what I discovered. That was the big epiphany, honestly. I grew up in a small town in Ohio. I felt like I couldn't make friends or connect with people there. Then I, so I went to college. I was hoping to have different connections with people. That didn't work out so much. So I had an opportunity to leave Ohio, move to California. I did. And I was like, all right, I met new people. I was really big on the karaoke scene. I had lots of people who knew me, right? They knew me, but they didn't really know me, know me. I was still like hiding something. So I thought, well, I need to leave California, move to Chicago where I am today. And this is where I transitioned from female to male. Now, all along the time, when I was in Ohio, I wasn't really sure of myself. And then I started dating women. So I presented as a lesbian in Ohio. So that's part of the reason why I moved from Ohio to California was that I could be open. I could be out. This was back in the early 2000s. And I was out. I made lots of friends, but I wasn't able to be trans. And I didn't really know what the language was. I didn't know what it was. I thought that well, there's something that I'm hiding from them. So I transitioned. I moved to Chicago. Then I transitioned. I met the queer community. 1% of the population who has been through the physical experience that I have, I've had, they could understand my experience, but still I was disconnected from them because I found something else to hide. I had privilege that I hid. Like for example, I worked for a company, Fortune 500 company, and they paid for my surgery and I had all the medical care I needed but many of the people in the circle in the queer community are struggling to find that. So I felt like I can't talk about that. They don't understand my experience of going through this process. So you and I are both trans, but I had a different route to go through it. I had different experiences and I can't seem to share and connect with you because you don't understand how it is. You look at me like everything's so easy. No, everything wasn't easy for me. I struggled just like you did. We're having the same experience. So those who are out there who are like, well, I'm not trans. Well, there is, sure you're not. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I am, but you can see my manifestation of me searching for something outside of myself and how it wasn't, the change wasn't outside of myself. And just to be clear, I'm going to say it that it's not that I, I'm not saying that I don't want to be trans. It's, I'm not saying that I regret my transition. I'm saying that what I needed to make friends, to make a real change in my life was a change of mindset. Everything needed to be inside. It's the idea that I'm able to express my authentic self and be okay with the world responding. So I guess my transness is a physical manifestation of me being my authentic self and having the world respond. Wow. I love the way that you worded that. It's so insightful. I'm going to pause here for a moment before we get back into the conversation to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring the show. As I was thinking about how to incorporate it, I kept coming back to how simple it feels to take something like this that's an all-in-one 
It's a green powder with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. So you can just get off the day on a good track, support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, all of these things that are so important to helping us when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed. For me, this makes a big difference because I can just put some in a bottle of water and know that I'm taking good care of my body. It's been so wonderful at home. I take it when I'm traveling. I love the taste of it. It's really great if I just want a quick green juice and it costs less than $3 a day. So it's been so wonderful to have. And I'm excited to pass on to you a free travel pack of five small sizes of AG1, this powder I've been talking about, plus a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I also take every single day. If you'd like to take advantage of that, visit athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. That's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. That'll be in the show notes and in the description of the episode to make it really easy for you to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And as I was sharing with you before we started recording, I'm grateful for you sharing your experience too, because given such a small percentage of the population is trans, I like probably many or maybe even most people like have not had a lot of direct experiences with trans people before. And I want to because I want to understand it. And you and I are also talking about how me being a very curious person, I just actually the way that I hide myself commonly, it's kind of a form of masking is based on my experience in life. People tend to feel uncomfortable. Like you shared earlier, you were uncomfortable. I'm used to people being uncomfortable around me by the questions that I ask, but that's a vulnerability of mine. That's a discomfort for me because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. However, kind of like we've been talking about too, our, we're not responsible for somebody else's experiences or discomfort. And it takes away from who we are if we're hiding something or we're, we're changing something about who we are or how we want to show up in order to make someone else comfortable. Is that something that you experience frequently? To me, you feel so confident and self-assured and like you have this like flow to you that feels adaptable. I'm curious if that's an accurate representation of your experience or do you find that you still hold back to an extent in order to try to create some sort of comfort within a social situation? Wow. I just love your questions. And I really appreciate though that you shared your vulnerability. You can identify that you've hidden in some way because that's what we all do. We hide some way, somehow, sometimes, someplace. I just made that up right now. (laughs) But we do that. And that's one of the ways that I hide myself too, is being mindful of asking the questions that make people uncomfortable. And it's a form of love because like, I believe love is understanding the person. And after many instances with people who will shut down, I understand that their why behind the experience. So why asking these questions 
upsets them, maybe because they don't really know the answers. And I think about this as in relating to my own experience, because people would ask me, well, what's your, what do you like to do for fun? And I had no idea. I honestly couldn't really tell you. I drink and I watched Netflix and I played Candy Crush. So those were things that I did. And I would feel attacked. Well, why do you play Candy Crush? Well, it's in the obvious. I like the game. Well, why? There's no why behind it. There's nothing else. What are you looking for? What are you trying to do with this information? And I'd feel frustrated and they'd feel frustrated because really they're just trying to get to know me. But bro, I don't know myself. I don't know myself. Don't ask me these questions. I don't know. And then I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I didn't know myself and it just felt like an attack. And I think that comes from not knowing ourselves way back when, when we started to, and we're trying to express our authentic selves, like, no, don't do that. And we shut it down and we stop paying attention to those things that brought us joy and why they brought us joy. We just know that we are supposed to respond to our environment. And so with so much conditioning of responding to our environment, it is now become ingrained in us. And now somebody's trying to pull us out of that. Like we learned not to say who we are. We've learned that. Don't ask me. Don't ask me about it. And so when I come to people and they respond to two or three questions in a way that seems uncomfortable or they don't know the answers to, then I think, okay, I have to remember that I understand where they are. And I understand that it's uncomfortable for them to come out right now. Don't pry, don't push, and try to keep it safe. Try to keep it safe for them. Like, I'm not interested in trying to pull anybody out of the space that they're in that's uncomfortable. Now, people come to me as a coach. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where you are. And if you're ready to come out, then let me help you get out. Here's some questions, here's some ideas, here's some thoughts that you can exercise that you can do to help yourself get moving forward. But to answer your question, Whitney, I run into this a lot. And of course, curious people do a lot because we want to know more about ourselves. And by getting to know other people, we get to know ourselves a little more too. We get to know like what their experiences is and how we can respond to them. How would we respond to a new experience? We see ourselves in a whole new light when someone shares who they are with us. And so you and I are looking for that. And some people aren't just yet. Some people don't know they need it just yet. They might be looking for it in the form of a promotion or looking for it in the form of a new car or a girlfriend or a partner or a baby or something like that. They might be looking for that fulfillment in those things, but it really is in knowing who you are. You have such a nice way with words. I love listening to you talk about all this and it's bringing up so many things for me and I can see how you know, you're, you're very inquisitive, like I am too, like even the journal prompts that you post on TikTok, right? They get you thinking about something that, you know, I would love for somebody to ask me that Pringles question. Like, (laughs) I've said this many times, (laughs) and I do not like small talk. I detest it. I actually in social situations, get anxious when I'm anticipating small talk. And I feel most comfortable in situations that are either structured in a way to avoid it, I will also do whatever I can. Like if I go to a party, I feel like I'm scanning like, okay, is this person going to ask me how my day was or something really basic? You know, are they going to ask me things? And I will find a way to either avoid that conversation altogether or like leave the conversation. Like my brain is constantly thinking about those things socially. And so social situations can feel quite intense for me. 
And an, an example of that actually was I recently returned from a retreat and it was a about a week long. I was really looking forward to it because I thought, great, I'm going to this retreat and I'm going to get to know myself better. I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to like do all this inner work because I love that stuff. <laughs> you know, I look forward to getting uncomfortable and digging deeper and crying and all that stuff. What was interesting is I think I may have cried one time, but it wasn't in a way that I expected. And also what I didn't expect was for the social parts of that retreat to be tough. I found myself by probably day three of this retreat feeling like so deeply uncomfortable and feeling like I was the odd one out. I felt like nobody, I don't know if anyone in there liked me, like all these, that must've been the work for me because I hadn't experienced that in so long. I hadn't, you know, normally with new people, you have those moments like at a party and maybe you only talk to them for an hour or so, and then you may never see them again. Right. Or you connect and you follow ups and maybe that builds into an actual friendship, but it's pretty rare as adults that we're with people consistently for a whole week, you know, after we finish school or if we're not going to a, a new job or something, like how often are we presented with ongoing exposure to new people, like the same group of people? And so I had no idea I was going to react that way and feel so insecure. And in hindsight, like that was great for me. But at the time, it was deeply uncomfortable because like you've been saying, I didn't know if I could be my full self. I think I was trying to be at first, but I think that I either interpreted or felt some of their reactions that they were like the flow wasn't there. And I'm curious, like, what is your advice in a situation like that where you have to spend time with people? You can't leave like I would at a party. <laughs> you can't avoid these social like you're in it together and you kind of have to deal with yourself. How do you A do that inner work on yourself to like manage your insecurity socially? And B, how do you find a way to show up as your true self if you're feeling like you can't be your true self? Like how do you do it anyways? Wow, that is wonderful. I mean, I thank you for your vulnerability because I really painted myself into your shoes in this picture because I've had that experience myself where I've been around people. I was in the army and I've been around people who I didn't like <laughs> and I was nowhere I'm going. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right there with you. So this is like basic training and I'm connected to these people that didn't behave the way I thought they should behave and I felt excluded and so forth. And so back to you and your experience, I mean, I feel like you've done what you can do. And what I understand I heard you say is that you were mindful of how you were feeling and you worked through that. And that's what the whole purpose of it is, is the, oh boy, I'm the, the meaning of life, but <laughs> the connecting with people in the retreat or just being with people in the first place is that the ultimate goal, I think, of life is to find people who you can be your authentic self with. That means under and find people who will demonstrate that they understand how you feel. That is their ultimate goal. And so what you're doing 
is every opportunity that you have like this is an experiment. You can have an experiment. You can say, well, I know that I'm probably not going to see these people for the rest of the year or for the rest of the week. I mean, after this week, I'm probably not going to see these people ever again. And I know that I'm feeling this way in this situation. This is an opportunity for me to learn something. And this is where people talk about being intentional, being intentional about what you're going to learn from other people. Be intentional about how you're going to behave to see how they're going to react, to see how you feel about their reaction to you. This is what I've done. I've tried different things like, oh, I'm in a situation in which I'm very uncomfortable. Like I'm still out there making new friends and trying to meet people who understand me. So I go to this board game night. I remember the first time I showed up and I was like, no one wants to talk to me. I came in with that mentality, that idea, but there are plenty of people there. They haven't even seen me. They haven't even, yeah, none of that. And so I already have this social anxiety. And so I kind of muddle around and then I like leave and I come back the next time with the idea that, well, even if no one wants to talk to me, when I feel like that, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a conversation. And then I get the feeling, I have my conversation. I get the feeling that these people around me are not interested in me. Okay, great. I got that feeling. All right. How do, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to stay or am I going to leave? Well, I'm going to stay to see what it feels like and go through that. And the next time I went, I sat down and had a conversation with people that I didn't know if they didn't like me, but I enjoyed playing the game together. And that's all I know. I was really focused on me enjoying and playing the game. And after I talked to them, they were like, oh, cool. Let's hang out. Let's do this next time. I'll be here next week. Wow, really? I had no idea that was coming, but I was really happy and excited to be there and authentic to myself. Like I knew I wanted to play this game. I knew I wanted to connect with people and I did that. And it just happened to work that way. But Whitney, I guess what I'm saying is that what you did is focus on how you felt in this situation and you just keep moving the situations that make you feel comfortable acknowledging that. The one thing that you really do not want to do is move into a situation in which you feel like you cannot be your authentic self and stay there. So you met people that you felt like you can be your authentic self. Well, now you're in a space that you can't change or move. So experiment with that. Experiment with doing different things just to see like, what is authentic? What would you say that would get the conversation started? Say it. It doesn't matter because they're not going to be around. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter about how they feel about it. It's about how you feel about it. Let them respond to your expression of being yourself. And then you can deal with that expression. You get more practice doing those things. And it'll be easier for you to be like, oh yeah, people react to me all that, all like this all the time. Like you are so used to people reacting to the way you ask them questions that you're just like, yeah, people do that. And you move to a different group of people. You've developed a whole new set of skills to deal with that, to find the people that you want to talk to. You don't waste your time. So it's just figuring out what it looks like for you. And so being in a space where you, you kind of had to do that. <laughs> so you can take that to reality where you don't have to, you can move away. And even if I don't fully feel like I, in hindsight, like, okay, I have, I'm processing a lot now. But at the time, like, was I actively working on something in that moment as you're describing? It doesn't matter quite as much, right? Because the lesson of just reflecting on what that experience was like and where my discomfort came from and something that comes up for me, especially must relate to friendships and something I think I've struggled with, with a lot of people romantically, platonically, with family, (laughs) is people perceiving me as being controlling. And I used to get so 
triggered by that, so offended. I'm sure I would still, but maybe in a different way, because I recognize that what they're perceiving as controlling is not what I believe I'm doing, right? It's, but I think that I can look at it from a different lens. And in a way, as much as I didn't feel like I was trying to control them, what I was trying to control was the dynamic of like, let me do this or ask them this, like, so that we can maintain a good relationship. Actually, phenomenal example was a time that a friendship ended and we had gotten in an argument years ago, one of my really close friends, and there was a whole slew of misunderstandings. I could see it happening and I wanted to solve it because I really cared about this person. I wanted this friendship to work. And my mistake though, was that in that moment, this friend did not want to resolve it. In that moment, this friend wanted to go process it and be by themselves. I was afraid of them doing that because I thought if they leave this conversation, we're not going to resolve it. So I insisted that this friend stay in the moment with me and talk through it, even though they didn't want to. I thought at the time, like, this is what's best for us as friends. But I imagine by me trying to control what that other person wanted to do, that actually caused what I was afraid of happening to happen. The friendship ended and it is, you know, years later, still upsetting for me. But in that moment, I think you also said this in one of your TikToks somewhere, I feel like is just doing the best that you know how in that moment. So of course, my hindsight sees where things may have gone wrong and me controlling and me trying to force a situation between this friend. But in the moment, I thought that that was the best thing to do. So I can't really beat myself up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like, did I say that? It sounds like something I would say. (laughs) But absolutely, you cannot, it's not productive. I mean, you can do what you want. Everything you're doing is correct all the time. And I say that to release the fear and the shame and the guilt that come with doing the wrong thing. In hindsight, you were doing exactly what you knew how to do at that time. You were trying to do, you did the best that you could with the information that you had. Now you are a different person who has looked at that experience and who knows that if you run into that situation again, you have a choice, you have an option. You may have that feeling that come up with you, like I wanna do what's best. But in that moment, now that you reflected on it, you know that you weren't listening to your friend. And all we want is to be heard and understood. That's all we want. And so she didn't feel heard. She didn't feel understood or they didn't feel heard and understood. And so they left the situation. They disappeared. And so, I mean, I understand what that feels like too, because like my relationships, my friendships had a friend group and we ended up being toxic. And I say toxic and not that they're, I used to point fingers like they, 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 they weren't interested in growing and changing and being different people. And here I am changing and I'm growing and I want them to come along because I see how smart and awesome all of them and, and talented all of them are. I want them to do, I want to encourage, I want to encourage, but they're doing the wrong thing. They're doing the opposite thing. And that's not what made the relationship toxic. I, Lee, made the coach Lee made the relationship toxic because I wanted to change them. I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to hear how they felt about what's going on in their life. I'm like, judgment, judgment, judgment. It's two ways. It's two ways. And so 
I didn't want to hear what they had to say. And I'm not saying that you judged your friend or you tried to hurt them in some way, but the problem was, is that we were trying to change our friends in some way. Like, I know what's best and I'm going to fix this because you don't. That's the impact that we've had, even though the intention was, dude, I'm here for you. I'm willing to not sleep for you. I want to talk about this. I want to hash this out right now because it's so important. I'll cancel everything. But that's not what they heard. That's not what they heard. They experienced something else completely different. And hindsight is beautiful. I like how you reflect on that experience because we have to reflect on our experiences to know how to move better, how to move forward better and make the connections we want to. So it's a great example. I appreciate you being so candid. There's one thing that I feel comfortable doing is being vulnerable. (laughs) Ironically. Yeah, I, I, one thing I feel comfortable is like being uncomfortable. There's like a simultaneously discomfort and comfort there. What were you going to say? I was going to say that that is a superpower and it's also frightening to people. So you ask questions. You've also frightened people with the fact that you're comfortable with a lot of things. You're comfortable with change. You're comfortable with stepping outside of the box. You're comfortable with something being different. And a lot of people aren't. And how dare you? How dare you be okay with things that I'm not okay with and flaunt it in my face? Man, I'm telling you, before I started being a coach, I would have hated you. I mean, not hated you, but yes, hated you. (laughs) I was more afraid of people who would do that than anything because I felt like I couldn't. I felt like I didn't know how. And I was envious and angry. And that's how it came about. So that's something else to like keep in mind, like being beautiful and being a light, a beacon of light to people also kind of scares some other people. It's like a comfortable but uncomfortable thing. And isn't that so fascinating? Because first of all, thank you for saying that because, you know, it ties back into this whole theme of seeing people react and assuming that their reaction means something negative about you. I actually just had this experience at least once this week with clients that I'm working with. And I I was thinking about this too, as we're leading up to this conversation and I was not just friendships are coming up, but other relationships like work relationships. And I had a situation this week with somebody through text, which we all know so many misunderstandings can happen, but that was the way that we were communicating. And unexpectedly, there was some communication that seemed to have gone in a direction I wasn't intending. And then it was that moment of thinking, did was I being misunderstood? Am I misunderstanding them? You know, and then like everything they said, I was questioning and I was thinking like, did they mean it this way or that way? And then I was rereading all of the things that I wrote and thinking, did they think I meant this or that? And that spiral you can get into with some things that almost feel benign, like, oh, this should be easy. And of course, this person's going to understand me and there's not going to be an issue. And then suddenly an issue comes out and you're sitting there thinking, wow, this has turned out to be very complicated. And where do you go from there? So I'm kind of curious in any type of relationship, how do you navigate those moments where things go awry and there's misunderstandings, not just in what somebody says, but like what they mean? Because, for example, one of the words in this exchange was this person just said sure to me. And I spent probably 
15 minutes sitting there thinking, what did they mean by sure? <laughs> like I could come up with like a list of all the possible meanings of them saying sure. And it's one word and it's a pretty benign word, but yet it could have meant so many things. I still t- in this moment have no idea what they meant by sure. So <laughs> what do you recommend and, and what have you learned through those experiences? Well, I've learned that those four-letter words are tricky. I mean, we've got the ones that are bad, that are banned from TV and all that stuff, but we also got ones like fine. I don't know what you mean by fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's K. Like We are really not clear about what we are feeling. And if the whole idea is to get someone to understand what we're feeling and about and why we're feeling it, sure, and fine, really make it difficult to do that. So that's one of the things, I mean, I'm right with you when it comes to that. I found though that in my connections with people is that it's better to call out, pay attention to yourself, like your authentic self. Something is happening where you're having a reaction, you're having a feeling. Identify that feeling and also identify the event as clearly as you possibly can describe the event, what happened and how you feel about the event and why. And that's what you need to bring to the other person to re- to at least get clarity about what's happening with you so that they can, hopefully they can understand what you're saying to them. And then you're going to get more information. How they respond is going to give you information. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I'm so sorry. What do you mean? How did I, how did I do that? Can you share a little more with me? Or they get defensive they get defensive or they get curious. It's going to tell you about them and their personality and their character. And this is important too, because if you come to them with a grievance that is possibly against them, they may react in a way that they dismiss you or they may be curious about you. If they dismiss you, then you know that maybe they're incapable of hearing you. You're getting just information at that point. Maybe they're incapable of hearing you because it's a transgression against them or something about them and they feel attacked. All right. So if you notice that, then this is an advanced-ish technique is where you really start paying attention to them. You have your grievance, you have your feelings, but you got to put those aside. You got to get them time to speak. Let them share why they didn't do what they did on purpose or how they didn't mean to hurt you or whatever else it is to make them feel heard because all it is in their connections, we want to make sure that someone is being heard and understood. Being curious about what they're saying will allow you to hear them and understand them and look for understanding. It'll automatically connect you to them. So even though you came with the grievance, you may have to be curious and they're not curious and, and accept that as that's how your relationship is going to be. And then you can categorize them as a person that you really can't deeply connect to because they can't hear you in times of stress or in times of grievances that they have against. They can't hear the impact that they've had on you. So I'll relate this to a relationship or a connection that I I had recently. I'm a friendship coach. I'm out there making my own friendships still. COVID has allowed us to experience the world again. So there I am going out. And I met a really cool guy who I hung out with many times playing board games and we did some dancing, went to a couple of concerts together. It was cool, really cool guy. The last time we connected though, he left in a huff. So we were playing a board game. I'm going to explain the situation. We're playing a board game together and it's one that I picked and I really enjoy. 
but it's their first time playing the game. So they played and they didn't seem like they were very interested in the first place because specifically reasons for me feeling that way is that they got up from the game and they walked over to a different table to talk to other people and kind of have half played, half paid attention. So I noticed that. And then after the game ended, well, I won, but I was surprised. That was the first time I won, but they left in a hurry. They like barely said goodbye and they drove off. And so there's no more information there. We really didn't text or exchange or anything about that. But so I'm wondering, what the heck? What the hell happened? Like, I feel like they had all kinds of transgressions pent up against me and they're frustrated with me. But I don't know that. I don't really know. They did mention that they may have to go somewhere, but they didn't really say because the game was supposed to be quick. The last game we played was supposed to be quick and it ended up being a little longer than I anticipated. I think 20 or 30 minutes longer than I anticipated. But that could be a reason why they left. I don't know. And so I don't want to spiral out and be disconnected from them because I'm thinking that they are thinking against me, that they don't like me, that they have some kind of transgression against me. They want to hurt me, but they really won't. But you know what? I don't know that for sure. So what I will do is the next time we meet, I will talk about the situation. I'll describe it just like I described to you. And I'll ask them, so how did you feel? Not, I wouldn't ask them. I'm sorry. I don't recommend asking questions. I recommend making statements. Make a statement of this is how I think, this is what I feel, and letting them stay with that. Maybe the one thing I'll ask is like, what do you think to prompt them? But I won't ask them about, I won't ask them more (laughs) more questions because I think that just creates confusion. And it is also something that's more vulnerable to just speak your truth rather than ask someone to open up and share theirs. And so we'll see what happens when, when we do that, but that's what I'll do. I love that learning process of the difference between making statements about how you feel versus asking questions. And, you know, that's part of what feels tricky to me too, because as you know, my natural tendency is to ask questions and to learn. But if that is further making people uncomfortable, I find myself a lot of times having to pause and think, okay, I probably said enough. Like, let me take some time to listen. And one thing I've learned recently as I'm going through a coaching training to learn how to be a better coach myself, a huge piece of advice for people in the wellness, well being field is doing more listening, even if that means in silence. And I've recognized how many times I feel uncomfortable in silence with somebody else because. It's like, are they waiting for me to say something? Do they run out of things? That's sometimes where the questions come in. It's like, ooh, let me, there's a lot of silence here. I'll ask a question and my question will interrupt the silence and then maybe their answer and then we won't have to deal with it anymore. But what if we could lean more into sitting there and just letting something come out from either that isn't necessarily question? So as you were sharing about your friend, I was sitting here thinking about that situation myself and imagining what that'll be like for you. Speaking of which, do you know about this new show on HBO called The Rehearsal? No, I've never heard of it. I think you would love it. And I haven't mentioned it on this podcast yet, but the concept is about rehearsing, literally 
rehearsing hard things. So I watched the first episode and the second episode, or maybe the, there's three episodes out as, as of the time of recording this in late July, 2022. But the first episode was all about this man who had a secret, something that he hadn't told his friend group. And his friend group all gathered and bonded over trivia nights. So that I'm starting to imagine like you and your board games kind of in a way like this guy, this guy had lied about something to his friend, one particular friend, I think, that played trivia with. And he had so much anxiety. He was a- terrified of what her reaction was going to be. And it's a fascinating episode from a psychological standpoint because you see this man, adult man, he's probably in his 50s or 60s. I hope I'm not getting his age wrong, but like very adult. (laughs) And he's talking to another adult, but terrified of admitting something mainly because of the repercussions. And the show is like this crazy reenactment. The man that runs the show, his name is Nathan. I forget what his last name is. Fillion or something. Or Fillmore. I don't know. Nathan, let's say. Nathan has his crew build a whole set and he hires actors and he takes this real life man with his real life situation and gives them the opportunity to practice admitting something to his friend so that he can go through the motions and look at all the different possible variables and be prepared for it. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but then you get to see him. They have hidden cameras and they go and film him actually telling his friend about and and going through this challenging situation with his friend. And it's just such a great example of how many of us are really concerned about something, but we really don't know how the other person feels. And so if we can drop those assumptions and find the courage to just go through it, we may be surprised at what the outcome is. And I'm still processing that episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Coach Lee, after if you do decide to watch it. It's called The Rehearsal on HBO. And I will probably follow up with you via email and ask you what you thought it would be a good tiktok video for you that's where i heard about this show is on tiktok so there's a a prompt for you (laughs) i love it i love it i am so glad that you brought this up because i would love to see this i would absolutely love it because as you spoke about it i had uh group therapy in group therapy we practiced things just like this we did things just like this and this would help me understand how I'd feel. It's like a slow down time or a rehearsal, I guess, a rehearsal to get us to notice how we're going to feel in a moment, how we might say, I mean, like what was fascinating about this experience in the group therapy is that, well, there was a counselor there and we would like kind of role play for other people, but our counselor may tell us to say the exact thing, like just say these words and many times I did not say those words. I said something else completely different. And I'm like, I forgot the words or such and such because I'm so focused on what the other person is going to feel or what they're going to think that I didn't even pay attention to myself and what I'm doing. So that rehearsal or that practice is so important. And that's why 
it's not fair to yourself to beat yourself up when you look back in time, when you look back at what you've been doing, because, hey, you were in an emotional state in which you couldn't think. And so you just. (laughs) That's so true. And it's fascinating to think about because I think a lot of us have been conditioned to have regrets and shame and all of these things based in the past that we no longer have any control over. And we sit with these emotions of embarrassment and guilt and yeah, that shame, just how much that lingers in many of us, where if we can just return to this idea that we are doing the best that we could with the information we had at the time, and now we can look back on it and decide how we might proceed in the future. But even then, when things are tough emotionally, our brains like go into an altered state, you know, whether it's depending on the level of emotion, it's, we don't always have full control over ourselves as much as we would like to. So that was yeah. also interesting about that show because it was pretty extreme. I mean, I don't, I lost count over how many times this man rehearsed this situation that ultimately when they recorded it, it lasted like two minutes, but the episode was at least 30 minutes long. I think it was closer to an hour because it felt like you were seeing this man go through it over and over. So he probably spent days rehearsing for a moment that lasted for minutes. And just like you said, too, there were things that he was encouraged to do throughout the rehearsal that he actually didn't do. There were a few variables. And as they're watching him with the hidden cameras, they're like, "Uh oh, like he's doing something we weren't expecting him to do. But it's probably for the exact reason you're mentioning, because in that moment, he was doing what he felt was right. And he was doing it based on how he was reacting emotionally. So it's so fascinating. Absolutely. So that's just let go of that control that that's where we get the best outcome. It's part of my takeaway here. Yeah. So I do have a curiosity about this. It sounds like it could be like a real life TV show. I mean, is it one that's scripted or one that's real life? I believe it's somewhere in between. It's some nothing like I've seen before. I'll say it that way. The the actual show itself, I think that the man, that the subject, that's fully real life. But oh everything my. else is planned or developed during the course of the show. Wow, that is yeah. out of that is intriguing. That is so yeah. amazing. I now I must I must see this TV show. Yes. I must and, see it. And especially the beginning, something happens that I would never have seen coming, jaw-dropping. And it's just like the most fascinating experiment on humanity. And the next episode I started watching was about a woman rehearsing to see if she wanted to be a mother. That's all I know thus far. But she's practicing in order to decide if she wants to have children, the show takes her through a rehearsal of what it's like to be a mom with like real kids. So it's like, yeah, I could geek out on this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, because this is amazing. I mean, wow. That, I mean, so many people, this generation, millennials, we're awesome. We've got this opportunity to learn more about ourselves and move forward with technology, all that stuff. But this generation, I think they're really going to benefit from what we've learned. Like you can practice being adult. You can practice adulting. (laughs) Hey, hey, every generation wanted that. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting to see. It feels like 
we as humans, like we go forward and back constantly because there are some things happening in our country right now with the politics that feel like they're very backwards. And then there's other times where I'm like, wow, we've made so much progress and look at us. Like we are advancing in such incredible ways. And that feels really remarkable about this time that it's just like a little bit more over all over the place. It's not as linear, just like relationships aren't as linear as we might want them to be. Mm -hmm. You know, you said something about releasing power or letting go of power and letting things happen. And the rehearsal reminds me of a situation in which, you know, I wanted to control how people saw me. And so that's why I talked about being trans. I talk about being trans now because just if you didn't know, I mean, if you, if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't notice. And so I, figured, you know, that was the way to go about life is not having people know and developing friendships with people that way. And so I met a coworker who was really awesome. We connected on the level, very curious, very smart, very talented person, athletically, physically, athletically and physically are the same thing. Yeah. But musically inclined and uh, very talented, easily able to pick up things and we could share and conversation and everything, but they didn't know that I was trans. And so we're two men connecting and talking. He has a family and everything and I don't, but so what? It didn't matter. We're guys talking to each other and that's just the way things were. I felt very comfortable with him and he felt very comfortable with me. So he has a family. I don't. I'm out there dating. I've decided I wanted to date and I share that I'm getting rejected. I'm not getting many people picking up when all that stuff. And he's like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, just just happens, you know, sometimes People are like that or whatever this, that. And he, he was perfectly fine with me dating a man too. I date, I told him I dated a man, I dated women. And he was like perfectly fine with that. It's cool, supportive and all that stuff. But he did not know that I was trans. And many reasons why I got rejected was because I was trans. Some experiences I was having and dating was because I was trans. And I didn't have this friend that I wanted to talk to about that. And so I was scared to tell him. <laughs> I didn't want to, because I didn't want to lose that connection that we had, but really we didn't really have that kind of connection. Like he couldn't help me because he didn't know, even though he wanted to. And then when he did know, he didn't know how to support me. And then he didn't know how to support me because I didn't know how to tell him what I needed. And so I had to go out there and figure that stuff out so that I can make a, a friendship and connection with other people. But I understand that anxiety of this guy holding on and trying to make everything go right. And it just won't just react and let the world respond the way it does. Just be yourself and let the world respond. And so my friendship hasn't been the same with them. I'm sure I can pick up the phone and call or text them anytime and we can talk about stuff, but we won't talk about anything that's deep and important to me as far as what I need. And so our relationship has changed a bit and it's always been that way. I just was under the impression that it wasn't. And it's always been that way because I've not been myself with him. I've not been my authentic, truthful self with him. So it's always been an illusion that we are very close, but he doesn't really know me. Thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people experience illusion within their relationships and your point about it's always been that way, but it wasn't clear until you became your authentic self. Then you were really able to see what the relationship was. And while that is helpful. It doesn't make up for the fact that you're still yearning to connect with someone who can fully hear and understand you. And 
I think that's one of the most beautiful points you made today because it just comes down to that core. And I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, what if I could look at myself and my relationships with people through that lens of just wanting to feel heard and understood? Because there's nothing better than those moments. Like when you brought up the movie experience, right? I'm one of those people that like part of the fun of going to a movie with someone else is turning and looking at them during the movie to see how they're reacting and then having a conversation after. And I've done that with some people who can't stand that about me. They're like, why are you looking at my sister? Hates that. She's like, stop looking at me. Like, I know you, you know, you're just trying to see how I'm reacting, but I just want to like watch the movie. (laughs) But what she doesn't understand is like, that's a bonding thing for me. Or maybe she does, but she doesn't want to bond that way. So it annoys her. But, you know, I love that. Like, otherwise, I'll go to the movie by myself. Uh, it's not, it's not yeah. the same. You know? But in your, that disappointment you shared, too, of like, I think we've all been there where you recommend something to somebody. Like, you could go watch the rehearsal and or Bo Burnham's special where he sings about Pringles and have a completely different response and you could greatly dislike it. And and then, you know, there's that vulnerability of, oh no, I recommended this something to someone. Now do I look like a fool because they didn't like it? But even that is an is a practice of control, of letting go of expectations and saying like, I'm putting it out there. You can go watch this. And I'm curious to hear how you'll respond without feeling rejected if don't have the same experience. Coach Lee, I could talk on and on with you. I mean, you make such a wonderful podcast guest, but also friendship coach because I just can feel how open you are and curious and engaged and present. Like I feel heard and understood by you. And I'm deeply grateful for that. And just think that you're such a lovely person. I think I told you this when I first saw your photo, I was like, wow, what a nice person. Like you just radiate that, you know, and your vulnerability, everything has just been so delightful. So thank you for spending this time with me and giving such a gift to the listener too. Oh, wow. I am smiling so big. My cheeks hurt. (laughs) I mean, I've been smiling a whole lot throughout this episode. It's really a delight to talk to you, Whitney, because you're so open and honest and it's refreshing to see that. And you make me feel heard and understood because you talk about your experiences and I can relate to them right away. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is so lovely. And for the listener, if you want more, first place I recommend is going to Coach Lee's TikTok. Do you also share the same videos to Instagram? I think I saw you post the same to both platforms. So if someone's like not on TikTok, they could get them on Instagram I too. <laughs> I try, but I have different Instagram. I have different things for Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. That's nice. A lot of variety. So for anyone who wants to go explore a little bit, I will link to all of that in the show notes along with the full transcript, the links in there. I'll put that Bo Burnham special and the rehearsal link for everybody and make sure to include that Pringles video that Coach Lee made because I think that's such a great place to start. It's always so nice to continue thinking about something, but sometimes do an exercise around it. So for anyone else who wants to do a little journaling, 
I love that question and all the journal prompts that you share. So thank you for doing such important work. And I will link to your website for anyone who might want to work with you further too. You just offer so many wonderful tools for others. And that is all available. All the links, the transcript, the recording, if you want to listen again, that's all at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Thanks again, Coach Lee, for being here and making my cheeks hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Whitney. Take care. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.